Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi ta'ala wa barakatuh. Allahumma salli wa sallam. Allahu akbar, Allahu akbar. Allahu akbar, Allahu akbar. Allahu akbar, Allahu akbar. Allahu akbar. Ashhadu an la إن الحمد لله إن الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونؤمن به ونتوكل عليه ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا ومن سيئات أعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلله فلا هادي له وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن سيدنا وحبيبنا محمدًا عبده ورسوله يقول الله جل وعلا في كتابه الكريم يا أيها الذين آمنوا اتقوا الله حق تقاته ولا تموتن إلا وأنتم مسلمون 
يا ايها الذين امنوا اتقوا الله وقولوا قولا سديدا يصلح لكم اعمالكم ويغفر لكم ذنوبكم ومن يطع الله ورسوله فقد فاز فوزا عظيما اما بعد فان اصدق الحديث كتاب الله وخير الهدي هدي سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه واله وسلم وشر الأمور محدثاتها وكل محدثة بدعة وكل بدعة ضلالة وكل ضلالة في النار أعاذنا الله وإياكم منها أجمعين أما بعد Dear brothers and sisters around one century after the hijrah of our beloved Prophet صلى الله عليه وآله وسلم there was an individual born in the ancient city of Samarkand. And this person's name was Fudayl ibn Iyad. Fudayl ibn Iyad lived in a region where there was the Silk Road. And being a part of the Silk Road, Merchants and travelers went through that area with their caravans between cities and towns to engage in trade. And although these roads were common pathways for the people to travel, the governments didn't really provide adequate upkeep and security in those roads as they would provide in the cities and the towns. And what that meant is that in that day and age, highway robbery was quite common. There were many outlaws along these roads looking to seize caravans by force and steal their wealth. Highway robbers, outlaws, brigands, what we call in the Islamic tradition, highway brigands. One of the greatest crimes that a person can commit in the Sharia. And Fudayl ibn Iyad was in that environment. He was very intelligent, but he chose a life of crime. He was a highway robber, and he would lie and wait along these roads in a place called Sarakhs, near in present-day Iran. And he would descend with his men and rob the caravans at sword point. He lived this life as a bandit, as a clear outlaw. And one day as he was plying his trade as a highway robber, Fudayl ibn Iyad saw this young lady. And he became very enamored upon seeing this young lady. And he wanted to look for opportunities to see her again. So instead of planning for his next heist, his priority was to find some way where he could cross paths with her again. So one day, as he was observing the road and the caravans and mapping out possible future heists, he was setting himself in locations where he would likely get to see the girl again. And as the days passed by, he began to yearn to see this young lady more and more. He wanted to meet her. So one night, his nefs got the best of him, and he set out near her house. 
he went close to the village, he found where she lived, and she was inside of this house that was surrounded by a mud wall. So one night, knowing she's inside of the house, he climbed on top of that mud wall. And he's sitting on top of the wall, just waiting and wondering what he's going to do so he can get a chance to see this girl and maybe romance her and run off with her. Who knows? That was his intention. And as he's sitting in the middle of the night on the top of this mud, mud wall, he hears someone in the distance. Someone in the distance, unknown to him, is reciting the Quran. And he hears this reciter, recite a verse that he had undoubtedly heard before in his life, but it was as if he heard it for the very first time. That unknown reciter reciting in the middle of the night read the words of Allah Ta'ala in Surah Al-Hadid, where Allah Ta'ala says, asking a rhetorical question, أَلَمْ يَأْنِ لِلَّذِينَ آمَنُوا أَن تَخْشَعَ قُلُوبُهُمْ لِذِكْرِ اللَّهِ وَمَا نَزَلَ مِنَ الْحَقِّ وَلَا يَكُونُوا كَالَّذِينَ أُوتُوا الْكِتَابَ مِنْ قَبْلُ فَطَالَ عَلَيْهِمُ الْأَمَدِ فَقَسَتْ قُلُوبُهُمْ وَكَثِيرٌ مِنْهُمْ فَاسِقُونَ He heard this verse where Allah Ta'ala says in this rhetorical question, Has not the time come? For those who believe that their hearts become submissive and humble to the remembrance of Allah and the truth that He has revealed? Has not that time come? And that they do not become like those before them who were given the scripture, but it was a lengthy period for them. Meaning they had a lot of time and they grew used to hearing these things and it no longer had an impact. And their hearts became hard as a result and many of them are corrupt. He heard this reciter reciting this verse and it, it was as if he heard it for the very first time. And he paused. He climbed back down off of the wall and he repeatedly uttered to himself, Certainly, Ya Allah, the time has come. The time has come. Alam amanu. He says, Yes, Ya Rabb, the time has come. And in that very moment, hearing that verse of the Quran, his heart was transformed. And he was moved to make tawbah. He repented. He changed his life. He stopped being a highway robber. And not only that, he went on to become one of the great scholars and one of the great ascetics and pious people in our history, such that he is written in the tarajim, in the biographies of the great ones of the past. ta'ala. That is his story. Dear brothers and sisters, we may hear that verse of the Qur'an and think to ourselves, yes, the time has come when we've worn ourselves out in disobedience to Allah and sin. But consider this. This verse in Surah Al-Hadid was revealed to the Prophet ﷺ four years after the beginning of his mission in Mecca. 
Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiallahu anhu says, this verse was revealed just four years after we embraced Islam. You imagine, four years after they became Muslim in Mecca, in the company of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Allah is asking that rhetorical question to the Sahaba themselves. So if that rhetorical question goes to them, it goes to us. Even more so. The biggest problem, dear brothers and sisters, that we face as an ummah that we spoke about last week, out of all of the problems that the ummah has, the biggest one is when you boil all of the causes and symptoms down, it comes to one thing. And that is weak iman. Weak iman. That is the cause of everything. And many people complain about this. They say, I feel hardness in my heart. They say, I don't really find much joy in worship anymore. They say, I feel like my iman has hit rock bottom. They say, when I recite the Qur'an, it doesn't really move me anymore. They say, I find that I fall into sin and haram so easily. They say, I feel very distant from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Dear brothers and sisters, this is the nature of the heart, the qalb. The heart is the center of the human being. The word heart in Arabic, qalb, is called qalb because of its constant fluctuation and change. One narration even says, إِنَّمَا سُمِّيَ الْقَلْبُ قَلْبًا لِتَقَلُّبِهِ The reason why the heart is called qalb is because of its taqallub, its constant fluctuation, its variations, its ups and its downs. That is the reality. And Allah Ta'ala tells us in the Qur'an as well, وَاللَّهُ يُحُولُ بَيْنَ الْمَرْءِ وَقَلْبِ Allah comes between a person and his heart. He also tells us in the Qur'an that on the day of judgment, we will not be benefited by our wealth or by our offspring and children and what we left behind. Except the person who comes to Allah with a heart that is salim, salim, whole, safe, sound, healthy, pure. So we have to talk about weak iman. Because it is the cause of all of the problems. As complex as those problems may be, they can all be reduced to weak iman. Because that is the cause of the wahan we spoke about last week. What are the symptoms of weak iman? What are the causes and what are the cures? This is what we have to talk about, dear brothers and sisters, as a reminder to myself and to all of you. Among the many causes or the symptoms, rather, of weak iman, the signs that a person is suffering from weak iman, among them is simply falling into sin and haram easily. There are some people who circle around a few different haram things that they go back to time and time again. They have almost an addiction to those things. If not an outright addiction, they go back to them time and time again. But then there are other people who commit all sorts of different sins. But the reality, dear brothers and sisters, is that when a person commits sins, not once, not twice, but three times or more, they begin to build sins as an ada, as a habit, 
a habit. And when the sins become habitual, they get used to them. And when they get used to that haram, it becomes normalized in their life. When the sin and the haram becomes normalized, what happens is they no longer feel that that thing is really ugly. They lose that sensitivity they might have had in the very beginning. That is what happens. And that person may even eventually reach a, a stage where they do these things openly and maybe even celebrate them and put them on social media and brag and boast about those things. And then they fall into the threat of the Prophet ﷺ who said that all of my ummah is pardoned except for the mujahideen, the mujahideen from jahar to make something audible in public to announce it. And he was asked, who are these people? He said, this is the person who spends the night engaging in the haram and Allah has concealed them. But when the morning comes, they go to so-and-so and say, Ya Fulan, last night I did such and such thing. They remove the covering that Allah put over them in the night. Allah doesn't expose them. They expose themselves. That is because the person got used to the haram. They no longer felt that it was abhorrent to the point where they now publicly celebrate it. That is a symptom of very low iman. Weak iman, in reality, comes from this cumulative effect of sins. The person falls for the trick of shaitan, and he has many tricks, he has many strategies, but one of the tricks of shaitan that we have to be wary of is this trick of him getting us to go from one haram to another haram. What happens is the person does something haram, they know they shouldn't do it. But in that moment, shaitan whispers to them and says, well, you already did this haram thing, you might as well do this other thing while you're at it. You might as well add to it this and that. You know, you've already started. You might as well complete this. That's the whispering of shaitan. And as a person does more of these things, the heart becomes darkened. And this is what Allah Ta'ala calls ran. Sins bring this ran, this darkness to the heart. Allah mentions in the Quran in Surah Al-Muttafifin, كَلَّا بَلْ رَانِ عَلَىٰ قُلُوبِهِمْ مَا كَانُوا يَكْسِبُونَ Nay, rather, this ran, this darkness, has covered their hearts due to what they earned. And when this ran accumulates over the heart, the spiritual heart, not the physical heart, it clouds the heart. It weighs the person down, and it then makes it so much easier for them to choose evil over good in the future. That is the symptom of weak iman. Another symptom of weak iman is feeling that the heart has become hard and rough. A person may feel that their heart has turned to stone and that nothing can penetrate it. Allah Ta'ala mentions this in the Qur'an as well. Then after that, your hearts became hard like stones. Rather, even harder than stones. And this is the heart that is not moved by reminders of death. They can even be at a janazah. They can even be carrying the body to the grave and putting the dirt inside of the grave. 
and walking between the gravesite, and they're not moved by those scenes at all. It's a normal day for them. They don't feel moved by these reminders. It is mentioned that one time the great Imam Al-Hassan al-Basri, rahimahullah, passed by a graveyard. And he saw a man sitting in the graveyard eating his lunch between two graves. And he called out to that man and said, Ya Munafiq, you hypocrite. Because how can you sit there and eat your lunch and enjoy your lunch while you're sitting among the deceased in a graveyard, not moved by the reminder of death right there? So one of the great problems that arises due to this weak iman is desensitization. With sins accumulating, it causes our hearts to become desensitized to the darkness of sin and the darkness around us. And that is the great challenge that we face in this day and age, dear brothers and sisters. A person gets so used to the dhulma, to the darkness of sin, that they no longer feel the sensitivity. They no longer feel that it's bad. And this is like being in a house where there's cooking. If you walk into the house and someone's inside cooking, you immediately smell the food as soon as you walk in. You smell the food and the spices. But give yourself 20 or so minutes and what happens? You no longer register the smell of the food because you're in the environment. You're surrounded by the smell of cooking and you no longer register it. Or it's like a smoker. You know, a non-smoker can smell the smoke on someone's clothes. But that smoker doesn't even notice the smell of smoke on their own clothes because they're constantly surrounded by it. They've become used to it. And likewise, when we surround ourselves in the haram, surround ourselves with disobedience and darkness, we eventually become desensitized to it all. And that leads to more and more darkness encroaching upon the heart. But in the reality, when you think about the sensitivity or lack thereof, the symptom of low iman is at least sensing that the heart is getting hard. And that's still a positive sign. If you sense that the heart is getting hard, it means you still have some life in it. You still have some feeling in the heart. And that feeling that's there enables you to realize my heart is getting harder. So there's a blessing in that. You still have some feeling left. But what's important is if you feel that, you have to keep it from getting harder and do proactive work to soften it up so it can grow stronger. So that is the hardening of the heart. That is a symptom of low iman. Another symptom of low iman is not doing their ibadah properly. The person with low iman finds that their mind wanders. When they enter into the salat with Allahu Akbar, their mind is everywhere and doing everything except focusing on the meanings of what they are reciting as they stand before their creator. They have no presence of heart in salat. No presence of heart when they recite the Qur'an. No presence of heart when they make dua. They're not thinking about what they're saying. They recite words as if it's just an old boring habit. And they do this regularly. Yet the Prophet sallallahu told us, إِنَّ اللَّهَ لَا يَقْبَلُ دُعَاءً مِنْ قَلْبٍ غَافِرٍ وَاهٍ أَوْ كَمَا قَالَ عَلَيْهِ والسلام, He says Allah does not accept the dua from the heart that is heedless and absent-minded. When the person is just muttering phrases and their heart is somewhere else. 
The secret of the dua is in the presence of heart, not just muttering words a person doesn't think about. So being distant from proper acts of worship and lack of presence, this is a symptom as well. And where do we see that most commonly? We see it in the greatest barometer, the greatest measure of where we are in our relationship with Allah Ta'ala. And that is in the Salat. The Salat is the great barometer, the great measure of where we are in our standing before Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. The person with low iman finds that they're rushing through the prayer or they're delaying the prayer past its time if not flagrantly neglecting the prayer altogether. This is a sign that the person's iman is very low because what happens is we give priority to what we truly value. And if we don't truly value it, then we're flagrantly missing it and neglecting it and not focusing in it. This is an indication that one's iman is really weak. Another symptom of this low iman, dear brothers and sisters, relates to how we feel day in and day out, the emotions. One of the symptoms of low iman is feeling dhaiqu sadr, this tightness and constriction in the chest. Feeling tightness, having mood swings and depression which weigh a person down, making them very quick to complain and fly off the handle at the slightest thing. The person with low iman finds that they get easily upset with people around them, and they have no tolerance, and they suffer mood swings, ups and downs. The Prophet ﷺ described the reality of iman when he said that iman is sabr wa samaha, it's patience and tolerance. That is the reality of Iman. That is the fruit of Iman. And from that hadith, we understand something very important. That when the person's Iman is low and suffering, they're going to lack sabr, patience, and lack samaha, lack tolerance. So when the slightest thing sets you off, when you're quick to complain about everything and anything, when you experience mood swings and tightness in the chest, these are all symptoms of low iman. We really have to consider that. How much of what people call depression is really for us weak iman and not necessarily mental illness? Now it's not either or. A person can suffer from both. But a lot of our inner turmoil is a direct result of us being distant from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. These are just a few of the symptoms. But what actually gives rise to this? Now the unique thing is that the symptoms give rise to the causes and the causes give rise to the symptoms. And it becomes this vicious circle. But the problem is besides the sin, there's other factors that contribute to our iman suffering over time. Among these things that lower our iman is number one, being away from a positive faith-filled environment for too long. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions this in the Quran. Ya ayyuhalladheena amanu ittaqullaha wa kunu ma'as sadiqeen. O you who believe, have mindfulness of Allah, taqwa of Allah, and be, be with the truthful. 
Allah commands you to seek out suhba. And wallahi, this is one of the hardest challenges we have in this time. To find good suhba, good people in a good, positive, faith-nourishing environment. So if we pull ourselves out of that environment, we will suffer. Maybe that person comes to Jumu'ah and that's it. And outside of Jumu'ah, there's no dhikr, there's no Qur'an, there's no reminders, there's no friends that remind them of high aspirations to good. It doesn't mean that all their friends are just in a 24-hour uh, halaqa dars mode. That's not what we mean. But we mean positive friends who remind you of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's what we seek. And in the absence of them, we find that our iman suffers. We need people around us to reinforce our iman. Another cause for weak iman, besides lacking that suhba, is being preoccupied with the material world and forgetting the hereafter. Al-inshighal bid-dunya wal-i'radu anil-akhirah. Being preoccupied with this, the here and now, the material, and neglecting and turning away from the hereafter. When a person does that, they enslave their heart to the material. And they forget that the hereafter is more important and longer lasting than this life. So the remedy to that is obvious. One has to expand their vision. They have to extend their vision beyond the here and now and extend it to the hereafter. When a person does not do that, they begin to live their life as if this, as if this is all there is. And that will lower their iman. Another cause for the problem of weak iman that we suffer from is belittling sin, making light of the haram, as well as just going through the motions in worship, just making the worship a routine. It's an interesting coincidence, although it's not really a coincidence, that the word ibadah, the word for worship in Arabic, if you take away the ba of ibadah, you have ada. Ibadah is worship. Take away the ba, you have ada, and ada means ordinary day-to-day -day habits, just routines, just habits. How much of our ibadah is actually just ada? That is one of the causes that lowers our iman. So we have to know these causes to know the cure. So if we recognize the symptoms of weak iman in us, and we all have them to various levels, if we recognize these symptoms within us, and we identify the causes of that in our lives, we have to take action to strengthen the iman, or else what's going to happen? Our hearts are going to grow weaker and weaker, and we will suffer the consequences of low iman. And when we as individuals suffer the consequences of low iman, our families suffer, our communities suffer, the ummah suffers. And as we mentioned in the khutbah last week, all of the problems go back to that wahn that was mentioned by Rasulullah So addressing the problems of the ummah does involve addressing the problems of our own hearts. We address the matters outside of ourselves, within our circles of influence and what we can change. 
but it always starts with the heart. We ask Allah Ta'ala to renew the Iman in our hearts. Allahumma jaddid al-Imana fi qulubina. Ameen. Walhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Allahumma salli wa sallam. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Wa afturu salati wa atamu taslimi ala Sayyidina Muhammadin al-Sadiq al-Ameen wa ala alihi wa sahbihi Dear brothers and sisters, the Prophet said in a hadith that Iman, faith, wears out. It wears out in the heart of any one of you just as clothing wears out. So ask Allah to renew the faith in your hearts. What this means is that the iman goes through ups and downs and it wears out just as clothing wears out by becoming old. And the heart of the believer is sometimes overwhelmed with the clouds of sin. And when the clouds of sin descend over the heart, it grows dark. In another narration, the Prophet ﷺ said that there's no heart except that it's covered sometimes by a cloud, like a cloud covering the moon when it's shining. And so suddenly it goes dark. But when that cloud goes away, it shines again. What that means is the weakness of Iman can be a temporary thing. It can go away if we take active steps. Iman increases and decreases. That is completely normal because we're fallible human beings. But we should not be content with low iman being our norm, rather we must seek to increase it. It is from our foundations of belief as Muslims that al-iman, i'tiqadun bil-janan, wa qawlun bil-lisan, wa amanun bil-arkan, yazidu bi-ta'at al-rahman, wa yanqusu bi-ta'at al-shaytan. It is our fundamental belief as Muslims that iman is a conviction in the heart that is expressed on the tongue and acted upon with our bodily limbs and that it increases with obedience to Allah and it decreases with obedience to shaitan. So how do we increase our iman? The quick and easy answer is to do the opposite of what weakens the iman. It's a very simple answer. But in addition to that, there are some specific things that we can do to be proactive and hopefully increasing our iman. And ultimately it's Allah who increases the iman, but we take the means. One of the means is pondering the meanings of the Qur'an, the book of Allah. وَنُنَزِّلُ مِنَ الْقُرْآنِ مَا هُوَ شِفَاءٌ وَرَحْمَةٌ لِلْمُؤْمِنِينَ Allah says we reveal, send down from the Qur'an what is a healing and a mercy for those who believe. This is not just reciting it devotionally without understanding. It is reading it and seeking to understand the message of Allah to us. To read the words of Allah Ta'ala in the voice of one who has care and concern for you, who wants good for you. Not the stern voice of someone who's out to get you. Understanding that this is the risalat, the messages of Allah Ta'ala to his creation. To read it and engage with it on that level increases Iman. Likewise, broader than just reciting the Qur'an, to increase the Iman, one must increase in 
dhikrullah, the remembrance of Allah Ta'ala. And that too sounds very simple. But we don't just mean mumbling phrases quickly. But we mean saying it with focus and attention to the meaning. There's a vast difference between a person who just says, Astaghfirullah, 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 without thinking about what they mean. And the person who thinks about all the things they've done, and they know what they've done, and they bring that to mind. And in a sense of haya before their Lord, they say, Astaghfirullah, I seek the covering, the forgiveness of Allah. It's a vast difference between those two people. And the one who says, La ilaha illallah, recognizing the reality of existence. There's no God worthy of worship but Allah. So dhikr is the polish of the hearts. It removes that rust and grime. It removes that ran, that darkness that accumulates on the heart. And so it's a means of increasing iman. Another means, dear brothers and sisters, is to contemplate death and the hereafter. One of the ulama said that it is enough for a khatib to give a khutbah standing on the minbar by saying, Al-Mawt, kafa bil-mawti Death is a sufficient reminder and exhortation. Kullu nafsin al-mawt. Every soul shall taste death. It's a cup, dear brothers and sisters, and all of us have to drink from it. And when we think about that, instead of putting it outside of our minds and ignoring it, this will lead to an increase in iman, imagining what our final moments might be like. What state do we really want to be in when we die? Imagine that moment when Malakul Maut, the angel of death, comes to take your soul and usher you into the hereafter. How will you feel? What will you think? What will you regret? What will you wish you had done differently? What will you wish you had fixed before he comes to you? To think about this stuff. To imagine that you're standing, or rather lying, as your family members wash your body and shroud you and usher you to the graveyard where you can literally hear them, hear their crying, hear their du'as, and hear their footsteps as they walk away. And then you imagine that silence. And then you imagine when those two angels, Munkar and Nakir, appear to ask you those questions in the grave. So a deep contemplation on those moments that we're all going to experience and thinking about them will increase our iman because it removes the ghafla, it removes the slumber and drives us to work for the hereafter in the pleasure of Allah. The alternative is simply to ignore death and pretend that it's for everybody else except for us. And lastly, dear brothers and sisters, to increase iman, one of the things that we can do is to join a group of people or individually do something that is of service to those in need. The Prophet ﷺ said that if a person complains of a hard heart, then they should feed an orphan and pat their head and show compassion to them. He said that is the remedy and that will soften the heart. So we can apply that to so many other things. To be in service to those in need, to the weak and the vulnerable, is a means of softening the heart. And when the heart is softened, the iman increases. 
Dear brothers and sisters, we know the causes, we know the symptoms, and all of it goes back to weakness of Iman. And the only remedy is the prophetic remedy, as he said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wa Alaihi Wasallam, Sallallahu Alaikum Zulla, La Yanzi'uhu Hatta Tarji'u Ila Dinikum. As we mentioned, that the Ummah will suffer humiliation because of its own weak state, and it will not be removed until you return to your deen. So that means we have to actively try to strengthen our iman and to nourish our iman, not neglect it and leave it by the wayside. We have to nourish it. So we ask Allah Ta'ala to nourish our iman and to increase our iman and to remove the ran from our hearts and to soften our hearts and to remove from us all of the causes of weak iman. Allahumma jaddid al-imana fi qulubina. اللهم جدد الإيمان في قلوبنا اللهم طاهر قلوبنا من كل وصف يباعدنا عن محبتك ومشاهدتك اللهم إننا نسألك أن تحفظ إيماننا اللهم إننا نسألك إيمانا صادقا ولسانا شاكرا اللهم جعلنا من عبيدك الخاشعين التائبين والمنيبين إليك يا رب العالمين ربنا آتنا في الدنيا حسنة وفي الآخرة حسنة وقنا عذاب النار اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد زين المرسلين والأخيار وأكرم من أظلم عليه الليل وأشرق عليه النهار سبحان ربك رب العزة عما يصفون وسلام على المرسلين والحمد لله رب العالمين